2: hello listeners look at your podcast now back at us now back at your podcast now back at us
3: because we are going to tell you about one of the most successful rebranding efforts of all time old spice loved by your grandpa was phasing out with that same generation
2: until a competitive rebranding effort sent them soaring through social media into modern day popularity so look
3: down now back up You aren't on a horse. You're on Old Spice on The Brink.
2: Hi, everybody. I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Ariel Kasten. And I want to say, Jonathan, thank you for doing that goofy intro with me. Yeah, uh, I loved, I still do
3: love Old Spice's marketing efforts. We're going to talk a lot about marketing in this episode Mm -hmm. because unlike other episodes of The Brink, This story isn't really about a company finding itself at a crossroads where things could totally fall apart, but more like a brand that was quickly losing its cachet.
2: Yeah, so they kind of looked at their their waning popularity and decided to triage the situation before they fell into the brink.
3: Yes, so we're going to look at how how do you, as an established brand, let's say that you've created something that has really taken a life of its own, has had great success, and then after a while starts to coast, and then after a while starts to see some of that brand recognition, maybe not... Falter, but it kind mm-hmm. of like the perception changes of your brand. Yeah. Right? It starts to look quaint. Or <laughs> how do you fix that? And that's really what this episode's all about. And really, this rebranding campaign is the stuff of legend. It has been cited repeatedly mm-hmm. by marketing companies as a model for recapturing relevance in a changing marketplace. I've seen courses at colleges that are largely at least <laughs> referencing the Old Spice marketing campaign that really took off around 2010 and saying, like, this is a way for an established brand to re-identify itself and recapture market share when everyone else had just said, yeah, you know, this this customer base is getting increasingly older and Mm -hmm. you're not refreshing it with new people.
2: Looking behind the curtain a little bit, if you Google Old Spice business, the majority of hits you get are on their rebranding effort you get very little about their history. You mm. actually have to dig pretty deep to find history on Old Spice because it's not an overall company. It's a subcompany of an overall company. Yeah,
3: really, It's it started off as a uh, essentially one product or really two yeah. products from a, a company. And we'll talk a little bit about that history in this episode. Mm-hmm. So Ariel, do you have any, like, do you have the before times experience of Old Spice?
2: I do, I do. So uh, my dad used to wear it. And I really liked Old Spice. I thought the bottle was cool and it was all glass. It smelled good. And I forgot about it as an adult until this rebranding effort. It just completely slipped out of my mind. There are two
3: scents that I remember (laughs) from my childhood that I associate, that my dad used. Old Spice Mm -hmm. was one of them. The other was soap on a rope. (laughs) Soap on a rope. But I will also say that a lot of people say during that particular era The Old Spice bottles would end up just kind of collecting dust in the medicine cabinet and otherwise no one would think about it. So how do you turn that around? Well, before we get into that, we thought we would explore where this brand even comes from.
2: Yeah, because even though it fell out of popularity for a long while, it was really popular for a time. So Old Spice was a product of Schulten Inc. Mm -hmm. And that was founded in 1934 by William Lightfoot Schultz in Manhattan. And they sold soap and toiletries. But the company was built on $10,000 in capital and a lot of credit. Mm -hmm. I mean, so much credit that Schultz originally rented his offices on a deferred payment plan.
3: Yeah. Where did this guy come from? Because he didn't just start a toiletries company. No, no.
2: He originally sold mosaic glass for homes and churches. (laughs) Wow. And then he started the Lightfoot Schultz Company in New York, which was the predecessor to Schultz. And they also sold toiletries and eventually perfume. He bought a perfume company as a part of that. Mm -hmm. And then in the 20s, they tried to get into fine chemicals. And that was not a smart diversion. And they lost a lot of money. They got deeply in debt and they sold to the American razor company in 1930. But Schultz stayed president there for a while. And then he was like, you know what? No, I still believe in my idea. I'm going to go start my own company.
3: So we talk a lot about entrepreneurs and the risks they take. And the big steps they take. Mm-hmm. A lot of people point to the people who take the really giant leaps as being inspirational. Schultz, I would argue, is one of those people. I'd, I'd have to agree. He did some extraordinary stuff. So here's here's kind of how he got the capital to start Schulten. Mm-hmm. First, he starts going around to department stores. And he's got a great reputation for making a quality product. He had you know made soaps earlier mm-hmm. before that business had fallen apart. And he had some mock-ups of packaging that was very attractive. And so he sold futures because he didn't actually have any soap to sell yet. Mm -hmm. He didn't have a place to make it. So he sold futures saying, you know, give me orders and I will deliver them. But he didn't have anything to sell at that point. I mean, it's
2: it's a good risk to take. It was successful for him, but it seems like a habit. I mean, he said, give me these offices, I'll pay you later. Well,
3: that's what he did. He went to the bank. And he said, I will put up these futures as collateral for a loan so I can get the space I need and the manufacturing resources I need to start actually making this stuff. Mm -hmm. So first he goes and sells something he doesn't have yet to department stores. Then he takes those orders and uses those as the collateral to get a loan from a bank. You know, he has to make good on those orders and he has to be able to pay back that bank loan. This is a big, big risk.
2: It is. I mean, we see a lot of Kickstarters fail trying to do this. Yes.
3: Yeah. So it's kind of the this would be the the Kickstarter before Kickstarter was a thing. (laughs) And Schultz said that really you need three things to do well if you are going to sell consumer products. First, you have to make something this quality. Mm -hmm. You need imaginative packaging to show it off. So he he knew that the sort of marketing was important. And you needed a price that made sense, that was supportable, that not only could give you a nice profit, but also wasn't priced so high that your competitors are going to beat you to the market every time. Apart from those three things, he knew that just marketing in general was a very important way to distinguish your work from everybody else's.
2: Mm -hmm. And he was right in his assumptions because his sales for the first year After he got all the loans and office space and ability to make his product, his sales were $165,000. Not a
3: bad sum Mm -hmm. back in the 30s. Oh. And uh, it's interesting because we look at the marketing campaign for Old Spice today. Mm -hmm. This is smell like a man Mm -hmm. or, you know, variations on that. Or have
2: your man smell like a man. Yeah.
3: Have your man smell like this man because this man (laughs) is a whole hunk of man right here. and. They were not kidding. Anyway, we'll get to that. <laughs> but the interesting thing to me is the first product to bear the brand Old Spice wasn't meant for men at all.
2: No, it was a women's scent. It was called Early American Old Spice, and that came out in 1937, so just a few years after Shulton was established. Mm-hmm. And it was a scent for women because he was inspired, in theory, by his mother's potpourri spice jar. Interesting. Yeah, some people say that Harry Schwimmer, who is a buyer for the Bullock's department store, also was encouraging him to make colonial-designed private-labeled toiletries because that was super popular. Yeah. And he was like, you can make your own line and sell it to department stores, which he was kind of already doing, but he Harry was giving him a direction. So between the spice and the direction, he had this product, and it did okay. Did okay. Mm-hmm. If you go to basenotes.net, which is all about fragrances, it says that the following scents make up Old Spice. Orange, lemon, spices, clary sage, aldehydes, cinnamon, carnation, geranium, jasmine, heliotrope, pimento berry, vanilla, musk, cedarwood, frankincense, benzoin, balsam resin, tonka, and ambergris.
3: Whale vomit.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: whale vomit. Mm. Holds I love smelling true. like whale vomit. I mean, ambergris has been like a big part of yeah. perfumes yeah. forever. No,
2: I, I like the scent of Old Spice Original. Well,
3: uh, he was doing quite well with this. He would employ salesmen to help him go to various department stores and kind of get this carried in their their departments. Mm-hmm. And this was a really interesting time. It was a, a very fortuitous time to launch such a company because prior to the 1920s, the general practice of fine society in America was to look to Europe for everything, for fashion, for perfume. All that stuff came out of Europe in general and Paris in particular. Mm -hmm. But it was right around this time in the 20s and 30s when American patriotism was starting to get kind of a a boost and Americana was starting to become a thing. And suddenly members of the higher classes, not necessarily the, the creme de la creme, but, you know, the upper middle class, is looking at American companies for a possible inspiration for things like fashion and perfumes. So it was the perfect time to start introducing these kind of products.
2: Yeah. And he sold out of that product in a lot of places. I say it did all right because it's not really around anymore. Yeah. Just a year later, he was like, I want to make Old Spice for men too. Mm-hmm. And that's when it really took off. So in 1938, Schultz made Old Spice for men, just called Old Spice. He took the colonial theme of the women's scent and then added chips. Yeah. and Men
3: like boats.
2: They like boats. So you've got like the Old Spice, which kind of reminds you of the sense of these foreign countries. And then you've got your your boats that are adventurous.
3: Yeah. If you actually go to the uh, Old Spice website, they list out all the different names of the different ships that have been featured on Old Spice bottles over the years. I didn't write them down because I figured that would just be me listing off boat names. And while I would happily do that for an entire podcast, I thought we have other things to cover. In
2: 1939... As many of our Brink stories that start before World War II tell, Schultz turned his factory into a production factory for the military. He Mm -hmm. made metal dyes for Allied munitions, which sounds incredibly fascinating.
3: Uh, This was uh, a time where if you weren't making stuff for the military, you probably weren't making much of anything at all.
2: But but as a part of that, he was also able to give his aftershave to American soldiers so that when they were shaving on the battlefield, they had this nice alcoholy Bernie stingy thing they could put on their face and smell good.
3: Yeah. Smell like an American over in Europe. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that wasn't their marketing campaign. You
2: know, I'm pretty sure, but I don't know for certain.
3: And then uh, even before the war was over, they were starting looking at expanding overseas and creating departments to to actually look into selling Old Spice outside of the United States.
2: Yeah, in 43, they started a foreign department. Mexico was their first international subsidiary, and then Canada was the next.
3: Mm-hmm. They relocated their facilities to Clifton, New Jersey in 1946. And for decades, that's where the headquarters remained. 1947, he commissioned the famous artist Salvador Dali to make a trilogy of paintings, the uh, Desert Triptych, or Trilogy of the Desert as it's also Mm -hmm. called, three different paintings of a desert scene. So getting an avant-garde surrealist painter like Dali to create paintings based upon a scent called Desert Flower that they wanted to market That is a pretty brazen marketing campaign.
2: It is. And I mean, it also shows that he was doing pretty well at that time. Yeah. Now... He was only doing pretty well for a few more years because in (laughs) 1950, he passed away. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Schultz's son, George, became the president of Schultz. And
3: I would argue that this was another case where the founder of a company, once they pass away, a lot of that guiding vision is lost along with uh, the life of the founder. Certainly, Uh, certainly. Because, you know, this was starting a time where a lot of people would say, at least for Old Spice, not necessarily all the rest of Schultz's products, but a lot of people would say that there wasn't a whole lot of innovation put around Old Spice. The company seemed content to let it stand as it had.
2: Well, I mean, you've got all these young men who came back from war. They really like it and they continue to use it. So your market's good.
3: Yeah, there wasn't really a, there wasn't really a, a need or at least no one had seen a need to invest in reinvigorating that brand. They're just, yeah, it was doing fine.
2: I mean, but to your point. Because they weren't doing anything new and innovative, after they were sold to American Cyanamid in 1970, there's not a lot of news about them until the next time the company sells. To me, that says that there's not much going on with the product. Yeah. They're they're just coasting.
3: Yeah, it's doing fine, but it gets this reputation that we'll talk about again and again. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's the, the scent your grandfather wore.
2: Yeah, the scent your grandfather wore is actually quoted as the old unofficial motto of Old Spice, practically. Yeah,
3: and we'll circle back because the company has found cheeky ways to sort of nod to mm-hmm. that particular designation. But before we do that, how about we take a quick break and thank our sponsor?
0: AI might be the most important new computer technology ever.
4: your perfect home sweet home
3: All right, so in 1970, American Cyanamid had purchased the brand mm-hmm. and then not much happens for 20 years. What happens in 1990?
2: Well, in 1990, American Cyanamid sells Old Spice to Procter and Gamble.
3: Now, this is a major company, huge yes. huge company. Yes. So this is, again, this is a company that has lots of properties and products and Old Spice becomes one of many.
2: And Procter and & Gamble knows they need to zhuzh up the brand a little bit when they buy it. They try a few things to reinvigorate it a little bit.
3: Yeah, and this was also a time where other companies that were making toiletries for men were kind of branching out a little bit. Mm-hmm. So they started doing stuff that uh, meant that the, a company like Procter & Gamble needed to pay attention if they wanted to keep the Old Spice brand being staying relevant. So over the 90s and the 2000s, you start seeing products emerge. Uh, you see a lot more deodorants coming mm-hmm. out. And you know, at this point, Old Spice was essentially... Shaving soap and aftershave. Those were the two products that had the Old Spice brand. But you had deodorants coming out later on. You had body sprays. (laughs) Who can forget (laughs) Axe? You had hair care products. Like the men's grooming products were starting to increase in Mm -hmm. number. Now, traditionally, it was one of those very sexist uh, views of, let's make a bazillion grooming products for women. And for men, it'll be, how can you shave and how can you not stink? Those are like the two things.
2: But here's the thing. Deodorant falls into that. Yeah. Body spray falls into that. Sure. And, you know, Procter & Gamble did start branching out some. They kept in touch with trends a bit, but they struggled for a while. So the first change they made to Old Spice was they changed the logo from all of these like schooners and big sailing ships to like a sailboat or yacht. (laughs) I mean, still trying to keep the idea of adventure and evoke emotion through their scent, but that wasn't enough alone.
3: So then in 93, they decide to really push the marketing for Old Spice some more. They also would release a high endurance deodorant stick, which in the danger of becoming TMI was one of my go-to brands. By the way, Ariel and I have both performed at outdoor theater. That is true. Stuff in Georgia in the spring and summer. I personally have to thank Old Spice for the high <laughs> endurance deodorant stick. And um, so do all of my co-stars. <laughs>
2: Truth. Uh, I also use high-endurance deodorant during that time. You got, you got to. Yeah. <laughs> you have to. If you
3: don't, then you rapidly find yourself being uh, the unpopular one on the cast.
2: Yes. And now we're going to go back to Old Spice because okay. that's embarrassing. So they took their deodorant, their classic brand of deodorant, and it had had a rounded top, so then they made it a stick, which... You don't think of as something to really push a brand, but someone's like, ooh, new packaging. I want that. Uh,
3: Next, they got into a new market. They created a new product from the Old Spice line, which would be Body Wash. Mm -hmm. That happened in 2003. This actually, the Body Wash ends up being sort of the key component for a few years down the line when we start really talking about that effort to capture a younger market. Because – Body wash was really being marketed toward younger people, Mm -hmm. right, than the aftershaves and the shaving soaps and that kind of stuff. But Old Spice hadn't managed to maintain its relevance for that generation. Yeah, they make the product. But how do they convince young people this is something you want to use?
2: Yeah, and it's an especially hard place to be. Because they were the first big U.S. brand to make body wash for men. Mm. So they they take this big leap and then they can't get any of their target audience to adopt it.
3: Yeah. So, or at least
2: not much of it.
3: So they start thinking, how are we going to do this? And in 2006, as they're seeing other companies getting into the same area, like while they were pioneers with men's body wash in the United States, that wasn't enough.
2: No, uh, other companies quickly followed suit, uh, Dove for one. Yeah, Dove being a big one, right? Yeah.
3: And And they were succeeding where Old Spice wasn't. So the company goes and looks for a new marketing company.
2: Yes. And they hire Whedon and Kennedy to help them with their advertising. And this is about the time that we get like the Bruce Campbell commercials. Yes.
3: Experience is everything.
2: Yes. When you have it, you don't want it. And when you don't want it, you don't need it. And when you don't know about it.
3: Yeah. The full commercial lasts a minute. This is actually the moment that I think, for me, things started to change with Old Spice. Mm -hmm. This ad came out around 2007, has Bruce Campbell, a famous actor for like B-movie style stuff. And he comes across as sort of this, this suave guy in a smoking jacket. Yeah. Speaking nonsense, walking around a study. He does this very long walk while he's giving this nonsensical statement about, if you have it, you don't need it. But if you need it, you can't get it. If you got it... You hold on to it. This kind of stuff. And as he walks, my favorite thing is there's a picture of ships in the background. Mm -hmm. And that picture just keeps getting wider and wider as he's walking. It's a panning shot.
2: It's a great commercial, in my opinion. It is. It's fantastic. It's a long commercial. So that commercial did okay. After over 10 years, it still only has slightly over 3 million views on YouTube. Which,
3: you know, that's a lot of views, but still that's nowhere near the level of other ads even, yeah. not to mention other I mean, and like, videos. And that's
2: over 10 years.
5: Yeah.
3: Uh, I think what it did was it helped set the stage for the tone mm-hmm. of Old Spice marketing, which was a little more irreverent, a little more absurd, and it would get more so and that's what really would turn things around. So yeah. they start working some more, trying to uh, make some other incremental changes before we get to the big marketing campaign that really changed things.
2: Yeah, they they have a new deodorant, Glacial Falls. that's not doing too good. So Weeden and Kennedy help them reimagine that brand mm-hmm. uh, instead of Glacial Falls. They call it Swagger. <laughs> yeah. Because who, who doesn't want Swagger? That's true. And they launched a multimedia marketing campaign. So not only did they have commercials, but they also had an interactive website.
3: Yes, yeah, Swaggerize Me.
2: Yes, which you sadly cannot go to yeah,
3: there's, it, anymore. There's nothing it's not active, nothing active anymore. there anymore.
2: And it was a successful campaign. It quadrupled sales of Swagger deodorant. But that's just one product. And they're really trying to push this body wash. So it's a step in the right direction, but it's still not enough.
3: Yeah. In 2009, Dove is dominating the market. And the following year, 2010, the hammer really falls because word gets out Dove is going to do something pretty big to push their men's body wash.
2: And real quick, I just want to say. We say it's Dove and Old Spice. It's really Procter and Gamble and Unilever at this point. Yeah, it's true. Fighting it out. Yeah, but Unilever announces that they're going to do a big Dove Men Plus Care, which is their body wash for men, Super Bowl campaign.
3: Yeah, Super Bowl commercials are enormous, right? They have been for years Mm -hmm. to the point where some people, they proudly say they only watch the game for the commercials. I used
2: to be one of those people.
3: And some people say, I didn't watch the game. I just searched for all the commercials online after it happened or even while it happened or sometimes before Before. it happens. The point being that this is a big deal because Super Bowl commercials cost enormous amounts of money for Mm -hmm. a short amount of time. And so the gauntlet had been thrown the Old Spice was struggling to try and get relevance in a market that was being dominated by another brand. What were they going to be able to do? Well, we will tell you in just a moment, but first we're going to take another quick break. We'll be right back.
5: So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
3: Okay, let's get back. It's 2010. Mm -hmm. What's going on?
2: So – Why didn't Kennedy and Procter & Gamble at large know that they can't just let Unilever release this Dove commercial? Yeah. So they decide to release their own marketing campaign. And Procter & Gamble also decides not to take out Nat during the Super Bowl.
3: No, they decide to target time around the Super Mm -hmm. Bowl, Super Bowl weekend, but not during the big game itself.
2: So first, they capitalize on those people looking for the Super Bowl commercials early or looking for the old ones in anticipation of new Super Bowl commercials.
3: This gets super sneaky. Yes. This is (laughs) what we call search engine optimization.
2: Yes. They put out their commercial with keywords such as super, Yeah. And commercial. (laughs) So in other words,
3: if you were to search for this, then this would be one of the things that might Mm -hmm. pop up in the search results, even though they weren't running an actual ad during the Super Bowl. And there's nothing wrong. I mean, there's nothing illegal about that. But it was super tricky. Like it, it kind of reminds me of people like when the web was brand new. When people would go out and register domains of big brand names ahead of time and they would squat on them and they would say, like, now I just have to wait. And then eventually IBM's gonna come up to me and offer me huge amounts of money to give them IBM.com.
2: So the thing that they decide to do with this push is target not just men. But women as well.
3: Because for one thing, they had identified the fact that in many households, it's the women who are doing the shopping. Yeah, And so if women are the ones doing the shopping, then maybe targeting them will get them to buy the brand as opposed to worrying about targeting the men and the women don't care. Yeah. So one of the things was they had this whole smell like a man kind Mm -hmm. of thing. But for targeting women, they thought, well, why don't we get an incredibly attractive man Mm -hmm. to get people's attention wearing essentially a bath towel and saying bizarre, absurd things. But the first thing he does is addresses the women. Yes. Ladies. Look at your man. Look at your man. Now back at me. (laughs) Now back at him. Now back at me. And at the end of it, He's essentially telling the women, you want your man to smell like... Like I do. Like I do. And (laughs) I smell like
2: Old Spice. Yeah. But, you know, Isaiah Mustafa was also young and he was confident and he was... Currently very successful.
3: And he was incredibly great at delivering these ridiculous lines in perfect diction.
2: Yes. Like, as an actor,
3: I watch those commercials and I sit there and I say, I wish I could deliver lines the way this man delivers lines.
2: Man, do I know it. And in fact, now he is acting instead of playing football. Yeah. So they made this wonderful campaign. Yes. They released it the weekend before the Super Bowl. And then just to start like the social media buzz on this product before Dove can get their commercial out. Mm -hmm. And then within 24 hours of the Super Bowl ending, they pop their commercial onto television. Yes. So they forego the massive price of having to do this ad, as we said, during the actual game, this three hour game. And everybody still thinks it happened during the Super Bowl because they kind of bookend the event with their
3: commercial. And with all the social media push and all Mm -hmm. the SEO, you know, searching for it would bring it up. It was a brilliant early example of taking social media and using it in a very successful marketing campaign. It was one of the big notable social media marketing campaigns that really made a, a huge impact.
2: But it wasn't just that initial commercial that oh, did no. it.
3: Uh, Mustafa was s- starring in a series of videos mm-hmm. where they were essentially inviting people to comment on those videos on various social media platforms, including stuff like Twitter. And they were responding to them. They were they had writers who would write up responses in the voice. To specific people. To specific people who had left comments or tweeted Sometimes it was to celebrities who had responded. So they're turning around these videos as quickly as they possibly could with writers who are trying to write in the voice that they had established in this previous absurd Old Spice commercial. Mm-hmm. And... It was an astronomical number of videos in a short amount of time.
2: 186 in 2.5 days. And that's with only four writers and one actor and one cameraman.
3: And it was being played out on a large stage, right? Everyone could watch them. They were all being uploaded publicly. It wasn't like it was privately being emailed off. Uh, But it felt like the people who were being uh, uh, called out, like they they had a special attachment. Mm -hmm. It was... Really, an incredible way to create a lot of buzz.
2: And what I really like about it, they did do messages to influencers like Ellen DeGeneres yeah. or Paris Hilton. That was only thirty percent of the content they put out. Seventy percent of it was to everyday people who were responding. Yeah. So your likelihood of being picked felt very high. Yeah. And and you know, shortly after in March, they added another Old Spice man, Terry Crews,
3: also known for his incredible sense of humor. Yes. Uh, uh, a very, very talented funny man. guy. And so here's this campaign. Sure, sure. It gets a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. Like it gets, you know, Twitter adores it. People like me who focus on the Internet and focus on things occasionally like marketing, we think it's brilliant. How did it do outside of that initial reaction?
2: Um, Better than Obama's victory speech. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. In its first day, it had 5.9 million views, Mm -hmm. which is more than Obama's victory speech got in the first 24 hours.
3: It's also more than that previous commercial had received over 10 years. Yes,
2: yes, which is why I mentioned that number earlier. (laughs) And Old Spice over doubled their YouTube subscribers and Facebook followers within one month. Mm -hmm. And this is the crazy number to me. Their Twitter following increased by 2,700%.
3: An astronomical number, certainly. Yes. Yeah.
2: You know, maybe that's because they were a HBA brand. Yeah. But, yeah, that's still very large. And by July, they had eight of the top 11 most popular videos on YouTube.
3: That's a dominant position to hold. Mm -hmm. And um, the most important part, ultimately, for Procter & Gamble and for the Old Spice brand was what happened with sales.
2: And you'll look at some reports shortly after the commercials aired Once the initial buzz died down where they're saying, well, did this guy actually sell that much Old Spice? Mm -hmm. And they just didn't wait quite long enough because the buzz had to turn into action. Yeah. And it did by July of that same year, their sales double over doubled.
3: Yeah. So that was really the true triumphant story here was not just that they managed to get talked about, but that when people went to the store to buy deodorant or body wash they were buying Old Spice more than they had been, twice as much as they had been. And that meant that they were now reaching that demographic that had previously been sort of unattainable for them.
2: In 2011, a year later, they launched another commercial with Isaiah called I'm Back. That led into a rival on YouTube with Fabio and people could like vote for who they wanted to win this rivalry.
3: Yeah. And uh, according to the marketing stuff I've read, uh, they said, we wanted our Old Spice guy to Mm -hmm. have a rivalry with someone. We wanted that someone to be iconic. And they kept on saying in their meetings, like, we need a Fabio-like person. We need someone who's like Fabio." Fabio. But they just assumed that Fabio would not be interested, that he would think that this is making fun of him. And it turned out Fabio apparently has a great sense of humor. I
2: mean, he just said, I can't believe it's not butter commercials.
3: Right. Uh, and so, and that was really what made them think of him in the first place, was yeah. the I can't believe it's not butter stuff. So they reached out to him thinking that he was going to turn them down. and And he said, no, I absolutely want to do this. And so that launched this joking feud between the two. And they allowed customers, they allowed viewers to shape the feud mm-hmm. that went back and forth. They talked about how when they launched this campaign they didn't know how to end it. They weren't sure who was going (laughs) to win, right? They were like, we've written ourselves into a corner in a way, but they figured that they would shape it based upon response from the audience. And one viewer commented that what Isaiah needed to do was build a time machine to go back in time before the argument started to head it off at the pass, and that's how they did it. Yeah. They followed the comment. So, it shows another interesting move where not only were they nimble, but they were really paying attention to their target demographic. And when they saw an idea that was good, they were like, let's totally use that idea.
2: Yeah. And and then the other commercial I just have to mention before we get into kind of what's going on today is in 2012, they came out with a Vimeo. Yeah. Where Terry Crews had all these different drum pieces attached to his muscles and yeah. you could control the drum set through his muscles. And I love it. I still love it.
3: <laughs> yeah, I remember that. So let's let's kind of talk about what's going on today uh, and mm-hmm. how things have been recently, because obviously that marketing campaign achieved its goal mm-hmm. It managed to get people aware of and embracing the Old Spice brand in a way that hadn't been happening for for decades.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, they they did have some trouble in 2016-17. Um, there were people complaining of getting, like, chemical burns and rashes from their deodorants. Yikes. Yeah. And as of the end of 2018, they were still trying to figure out those suits. So Procter & Gamble is saying it's an allergic reaction to one of the ingredients, and some people are saying that it's violating local state law. But a lot of people still really like it uh, because in 2017, Old Spice upped their game again and did a Twitch campaign to advertise one of their products.
3: Yeah, I totally missed this one. I didn't know anything about it. And I've read this paragraph about four times. And I'm still not exactly sure what's going on.
2: So they made this robotic squid. Because the deodorant they were trying to sell is named Kraken Guard.
3: Oh, okay. Now it all makes sense. Yes. Okay.
2: So they made a robotic Kraken squid. Okay. And eight dudes could man this squid at one time on Twitch.
3: Oh, so you're all like kind of like digital puppeteers. Yes.
2: You're digital puppeteers puppeteering a squid that is interacting with real actors (laughs) on Twitch. (laughs) (laughs) And they had daily quests they had to accomplish like, you know, serve dinner. Oh,
3: my gosh. So this became like Octodad with a a robot squid puppet controlled by the Internet.
2: Yes. And while they're doing this, people watching people playing could chat and talk and vote and suggest stories, because as we have just discussed through this entire episode, Old Spice has learned, listen to your audience. It was very successful. They had two million views doing this. It became the top trending stream and the most watched branded event ever on Twitch.
3: Mm. And uh, I mentioned at the top of this show about that that whole concept of uh, it's what your grandfather smells like. Mm-hmm. But the tagline we wanted to mention was the Old Spice Classic Scent Shower Gel, which has the tagline, if your grandfather hadn't worn it, you, you wouldn't, wouldn't exist. exist. Yes. That's great. Yes. This was a, a lot of fun to, to return to because uh, it, it is one of those few times where I found an advertising campaign to be truly delightful. Mm-hmm. So this was a lot of fun. And we do think that because of these efforts, Old Spice was able to be uh, reinvigorated mm-hmm. and, and marketed toward a younger audience. So our hat is off to you. Old Spice, and I look forward to seeing what the next crazy marketing campaign is. I actually really do like the fact that we have a lot more kind of tongue-in-cheek, silly, not mean-spirited no. commercials. Those no. are the ones I really, I really find uh, stick with me. And more importantly, at least in the eyes of the companies that that uh, make these ads and the companies that employ those marketing campaigns, I remember what brands Mm
2: -hmm.
3: go with that? Because there are also other commercials where I'm like, oh, that's cute. And then I couldn't tell you for the life of me what it was for.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: (laughs) All right. Well, we look forward to exploring more stories about other marketing campaigns in the future as well. Ones that ended up either becoming huge runaway success or maybe they totally fizzled out Mm -hmm. and people just would rather no one ever talk about them again. But we're gonna. Yes. But until then, I have been Jonathan Strickland
2: and I have been Ariel Castan.
3: Thank you for listening and if you want to get in touch with us you can send us an email at
2: feedback at show. You can also find other episodes at thebrinkpodcast.show and more information about Jonathan and me.
3: So go check that out. I'm on a horse.
4: Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey,
1: where are you? Coming!
0: And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card...
1: Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it